you're making me uncomfortable. Did you hear me? But you're... <laughs> you're committing a microaggression against me, John. It's impossible. I don't appreciate this. This is it's supposed impossible. to be a safe space. I won't say it because you'll leave it in the recording, so I'm not going to say what <clears> I was going to say. So you were saying you're sore earlier, and I was just thinking I'm going to be I'm going to be sore tomorrow, and that reminded me. I hate actually telling people that I'm sore or like, oh yeah, you know, lift weights this morning, or whatever, because I know I know what they think immediately. Do you even lift, bro? They, no, that's exactly <laughs> what they look at me and they think. You don't lift weights. Look at you. <laughs> I'm like I know I don't look like it, but I promise I actually do. I just have crappy genetics. <laughs> oh sure, blame the genetics. There you go. My body's like. Gain muscle? What? No. <laughs> anyway. I, I do feel like I complain too much about being sore, but... Well, I mean, that's good that you're you're often sore. And it's, I mean, when it's just constant that... Because you know, usually if you're sore in the right way, it's kind of like that good pain. You know, it's like that, you know, you can feel your muscles and you're all pumped and... and uh, no, I just it's, feel it's the feeling of, of uh, you know health and muscle growth it's kind of a but it's a constant feeling and sure, so that's perpetual why. soreness is a sign of healthiness there yeah. you go it's not perpetual unless you <laughs> keep working out um okay i'm trying to go into do not disturb here oh you know what i meant to look this up hang on i have to you, i need you to vamp for me what do you want to talk about first i wasn't prepared to talk first <laughs> You should always be prepared, John. Always be recording, always be ready to talk. Is, yes. that, is that the thing? That's what it is. I mean, the topics I have are, are just, there's really not much going on. I mean, we can rehash a bunch of old topics. How about, how about Finland? Okay. Did you hear about, about Finland? I guess not. So apparently their, their tech sector was entirely propped up by Nokia. Like Nokia was like. Well, that's big. I mean, what do they, we were just talking about them at lunch. What do they have? Uh, 300,000? That was Iceland. What's the population of Finland? A couple million? Um, maybe, but I mean, 15,000 people. Were, Five million. Five million people. Were, were, were employed, I think, at Nokia. And so when that was shut down, it, it was a huge impact on, yeah. their, on their tech sector. Is it completely shuttered now, right? I, I think so. I think so. And I think there's some people that are trying to advocate, you know, going there to get some top talent to, to pull some yeah, people. I mean, Think of it, you got all the smart people there that are, I mean, who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You've got all the building, office buildings that they occupied, right? You've got all the, and then all the the feeder companies and things that, that serviced, you know, re from restaurants and delivery and just, you know, all kinds yeah. of stuff, right? Those are just all out of work now. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting how, how that shift and how that buyout kind of really impacted them. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's almost a, could happen to all of us. You know, if if, if this supposed, and I'm, I don't know, because there's a lot of debate on whether or not there is a tech bubble. And Benioff was saying probably no, or at least he's not in it, or Salesforce is not in it. I don't know it. that he said, I mean, he, he complains about the unicorn bubble, for sure. The VC Yeah, I think, bubble, I think I they've redefined the bubble to say, no, we're not that kind of bubble. Yeah. Oh no. There's a bubble, but you know, not not us. So we're not in a bubble. It's just everyone else. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, so a buddy of ours actually he's been on the show, but I won't say his name just 
just because I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to make Protect this point. Protect the innocent. <laughs> I'm not allowed to, I don't know if I'm allowed to use his. Well, you just his. narrowed it down. We've only had like, <laughs> anyway. I mean, he was never accused. And anyways, yeah. so <laughs> we were talking about bubbles and, and the market and things like that. And he, he'd said that, you know, he, he knows someone that works for a company. They've been around for a hundred, for over a hundred years. You know, they make software, technology, hardware. They do all these things. And yet their valuation... This is, this is easy to guess what company that is. Their valuation is only, I think, like in the 20 billions or something like that. It's, it's within the billion. You know, their valuation is, is fairly low compared to something like Salesforce, which is valued at, or their valuation is about 50 billion. For a company that's well, only company existed that I, for... The company that I think you're talking about is valued at about 150 billion. But I could be what wrong. What company do you think I'm talking about? IBM? No. Okay. No, it's it's a. They make hardware and software, and they've been around for a hundred years, something like that. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else that would be, but that's cool. Well, so but your it, point it, is that Salesforce. My point is, is it, it, it it's an example of there's a bubble. You know, how can a company that's less than twenty years old has not made a profit, um, is continue to expand and and you know buy you know buy through, grow through acquisition. You know, how is that not a bubble when they're valued at fifty billion? Yeah, I mean, when you look at, <clears throat> and it's hard to say that Salesforce is. I mean, I know I sometimes I probably say this. They're overvalued. I mean, technically, they're valued at the right value because they're publicly traded. It's a very liquid market, and theoretically, the the concept of perfect information or you know, near perfect information means that whatever their their whatever price they're trading at is what they're worth. You can't. I mean, that's what people are willing to pay for. So by definition, that's what it's worth. Um. But it's interesting to, though to look at things like PE ratios and other ratios. Like, what's what price are we paying per the actual business and value that Salesforce generates financially, yeah. or, or whatever company, right? And so when you look at that from that perspective, I mean, like Salesforce's, let's see, CRM PE ratio. This is this is weird. Is that competitive? I guess. Hang on. Sorry, our, our internet is not the greatest right now. Um, so Salesforce's PE ratio. This is okay. <laughs> so here's some, let me let me list some competitive. They're, they're PE physical ratios. education. No, it's the it's the price per it's the price you're paying for a stock compared to the earnings um, assigned to that share of stock. Basically, their earnings divided by the number of shares of stock. So Adobe trades at sixty one PE ratio. Uh, Microsoft trades at thirty nine. Oracle trades only at nineteen. And what that, what that really means is, I mean, a P.E. ratio is, it tells you what people think about the future of the company. A lot of times, like you have companies like Apple, for example, who barely trade at their book value, meaning that people barely say the stock is worth what their, the cash they have, essentially. Okay, so Oracle's at 19, which is, which is pretty low, but, you know, again, Adobe, 61. Salesforce's current P.E. ratio is 6,720. Wow. So again, it, it tells you what people think. People think there's a huge upside, or at least these people, right. these 89% institutionally owned, they're all <laughs> betting, right? That they're going to, that somehow that's, that stock is going to be traded up quite a bit. And, you know, every day I, you read about, and, you know, all these analyst things I've never even heard of saying that, you know, oh, we've declared that Salesforce has got this much upside. And, you know, our new target for them is 160 bucks and all, you know. Right. Yeah. Is that a bubble? Well, that's kind of a bubble. A little micro bubble there. 
you know, it'll again, it's and it's like that bubble will either pop, and a lot of people think it will, or it will, the company will grow into the bubble, right? Basically, yeah. So that there's no risk of it popping anymore. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that. Uh, I was talking about Finland and the struggles. And did you have anything else on that? Uh, no, uh, I mean it was just. Hey, everybody, stop what you're doing and go hug a Finn. They they really need it right now. <laughs> Well, I think everyone out there is trying to become the new Silicon Valley. They want to be the new center for tech and, and software development and all these kind of things. So everyone's promoting it. So what happens when maybe that bubble bursts? Maybe there's not so much demand anymore. And we've been telling our kids, hey, go into technology, learn to code. That's where the future's at. And it turns out, oh, sorry. It, it's not as in demand as we thought it was going to be 10 years from now. We should actually, and I have to do, I have to do some work to put some facts together and things, but I think it'd be interesting to do for a future topic all the supposed demand there's going to be for uh, software developers <clears throat> versus the actual um, employment figures, job availability, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's pretty interesting. There's, I think there's a, two different stories to be told there. I'm not sure which one is right. But anyway, this, this all leads me, though. This is a great segue, everything we've been talking about, into I wanted to bring up we got a new review on iTunes. Oh, we do. Yeah. And it's our first negative review. It is. <laughs> yeah, so this is great. I think we should do an if we got enough reviews it'd be great to do like a negative review though. It's like when they have sports players and musicians like read I think it's mainly sports people but like really negative reviews about our uh, Twitter mm -hmm. uh, comments about them. <laughs> All right. So this this is uh from last month. I don't I don't, I don't check very often for reviews, do you? There's no notifications, so yeah, every, yeah, every once in a while right. I'll be like, I haven't checked reviews in a while, so and the I'm going to go is, look. Is, unless you do some weird, you know, if you go through a proxy server or something, which I've, I've done that before to check, because um, we, we discovered that iTunes only shows us the domestic, like only United States reviews. Yeah, if you can change the URL to or, try to see some of the other ones, but it's very I mean, deliberate. I mean, iTunes, how do I? Oh, do you mean the, the, the web? The web hosted yeah. version of it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean... Listen, if actually, actually, I would say if if someone does leave us a review, then good or let us know. positive or negative. Yeah, just let, us, let know. us know just so we know to go look for it or something, and we know to send you a shirt or send you a flaming pile of poo. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm really curious about the negative. I mean, All is right. it something we can improve we on? So this is from. Don't mention the name. Uh, I mean, it's public. They left I it guess. under their name, and yeah. it's not their name anyway. It's Rat Six R A T S I X. Okay, so. The, this person says, I, I pulled up the show because I thought it might be something about Salesforce.com, but after seven minutes, it was just guys talking to each other about random stuff related to tech. Just not the podcast I was looking for. Oh. <laughs> How many minutes are we in here? We're 11 <laughs> minutes in. So, well, he'd be really disappointed about this one, he or she. I like that. Yeah. So, so maybe, that, maybe that's something we need to work on. I guess so. I mean, I don't, I don't have any... What do you mean work on? Oh. Uh -huh. Maybe we like, should. Can't we talk about whatever we want to? I mean, the... <laughs> fine. You get... Okay, we'll give you a refund, dude. <laughs> you can have your money back. I think it's. I, I think it's a fair. <laughs> oh, it's fair totally critique. fair. I mean, he he was looking for X, and we were doing Y. So yeah. we weren't the podcast for him. This is not the podcast you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I think for the most part, we just try to. I mean, the whole inception of the podcast, and it continues to be this to this day. We're very careful to try to keep it this. Is it's just us having a conversation, like, and really these conversations started over lunch. You and I would go yeah. to lunch, and I mean, we talk about what's going on. You know, it, the conversation was wasn't always all right. It's topic of the day, Salesforce, 
did this and that's what we talked about at lunch. No, it was like we're talking about our day, we're talking about our families, we're talking about what drinks we like to drink. And then we get into tech. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it gets back to why we do this. I mean, and do we try to, I don't want to say pigeonhole, but are we going after a certain kind of, are we niching down to a certain kind of audience to really, you know, no, it's like, I don't get paid for this. In fact, this costs me money. It costs me quite a bit of money. And I'm not doing it because I'm trying to please or, you know, get some certain kind of numbers or, you know, certain number of sponsors or CPM or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I do, I do want to know that people, that there's someone, I think, who enjoys listening. I mean, that's, that's good to know that, like, people enjoy it. It's, I think it's great that we have this little community of people. And, and I'm just referring to the Slack thing. I mean, that's Slack, you know, there's some people um, in that. But, I mean, just there's tons of people who, in fact, I need, I've, there's, I've got, like, a list of people I want to reach out to. Like, I just haven't heard from in a while. I'm like, haven't heard from you for a while. Like, people I talk to at Dreamforce, whatever, and they're not, mm-hmm. and they haven't joined the Slack. And I'm just like, hey, just... <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> just stalking you. Right, out exactly. What, you know, why you haven't done what... Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean... But then I feel like, okay, we are clearly a Salesforce-oriented podcast. I mean, hell, it's in the, it's in the title of... I mean, we... we what's it called? We, um, we, we SEO that... <laughs> oh, God. Marker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's in the title of our thing and everything, right? Because we, we are unabashedly interested in Salesforce and talk about it. But we are not like a Salesforce-only podcast, and that's not necessarily, at least that's not my goal. I mean, I guess this is officially a meeting. <laughs> it's a business meeting. It is. <laughs> and we're not talking about Salesforce, we're talking about a podcast, and what is that, meta? <laughs> it, is, it is meta. I don't know. <laughs> but, and so this, this also gets back to you, like, do we give a crap about, because you know, I mean, if, you, if you're someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, surely you've heard people say, um, hey, and some podcasts do it every single episode. We need you to, thanks for the reviews on iTunes. We need you to go leave more. Everyone who hasn't you know, left a review, leave us one. And I'm reluctant to do that because I think it's, it's great. And I think if, if anyone listening wants to, is, likes us or doesn't like us or has feedback or whatever, like, I think it's, I, I really appreciate seeing those reviews. It's, it's such a little thing and it's, you know, it, it's, it's easy to do, right? Um, but it's, it's really, I don't know what it is about it. It's just great to see that someone cared enough to take two minutes and leave us the silly review on iTunes that says, this is what I like about you. Thanks for, thanks for doing this podcast and, and five stars, four stars, whatever you want. Or this is, or I like this, but blah, 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 you know, I mean, even feedback. Yeah. That's not necessarily positive. That's, um, so I do like to see that. So, hey, if you are so inclined, please do leave us a review. And I guess we're not, we don't do, we decided not to do Stitcher, right? So I don't think we're even in Stitcher. So you, you can't leave us a review there. Right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but in general though, you know, we don't monetize. So it really doesn't, it doesn't, you know, adding reviews, it does help people find you in iTunes because uh, it, you float to the top in terms of recommendations and searches and all that stuff. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've, I've already, I've already declared. I mean, if we, if we had the numbers, and I, you know, I don't, I think different sponsors are different things. But I mean, if sponsors like, we're, hey, uh, you know, companies, yeah, we would love to sponsor you. You know, you've got this audience that are the type we're looking for. I'm just like, I'm not interested. That would ruin the podcast because they would be undoubtedly related. I think to what we're talking about. And what's even worse, they're not related. I don't want to do a damn mattress ad or a stupid Audible ad. You know, I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I could handle doing, you know, 
a Squarespace ad or something. <laughs> and here I go, but I've just ruined those companies as sponsors now. <laughs> you should see the look John's giving me. me. I know. I've, I've had those guys, you know, listening so that we can get them as sponsors, and, and now you just ruined it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, meeting adjourned. Dun, dun. We had our first negative review. Um, so I know we're a Salesforce podcast, but do you want to talk about the Apple um, news at all? Sure, why not? All right. So what'd you, what you, what floated your boat? So WWDC was earlier this week? Yeah, it was Monday. Or the, the keynote was Monday. Can I, can I say that this was the first event in probably the last three or four years I did not watch live? It was the first event? The first kind of... This is the first WWDC you didn't watch. Is that what you're saying? Right. Which I I planned to, but I got busy and distracted. And then I was like, crap. It was late at night. And I finally got around to checking my email and everything else. And I forgot what it popped up on, maybe Twitter or something, when I finally got around to it. And I was like, I missed it. Darn it. So I was on calls and uh, I had it, I had it running and kind of in the background. And, um, yeah, I may not have been paying a whole lot of attention to the call I was on at the time. I apologize <laughs> to whoever that was. <laughs> um, but um, no, I went back and I was had the, like, I think it was The Verge live, um, the live blog. What is that what they call it? Live blog? Yeah, I think so. Scrolling. So at least I could, I couldn't, most for most of it, I couldn't listen during the call that I was on. So I was watching that. But um, Yeah, interesting things. Um you know, Apple is really pushing their the fact that the way they're doing a like AI and machine learning <clears throat> is in a way that they're really drawing the contrast to Google, but they're doing it's all on device and they're building things because you know one I guess differentiator for Apple, especially on like these iOS devices, is that they've got it's a custom chip. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Qualcomm mm-hmm. this or the Intel that or whatever. It's their own silicon, and they they're saying that they've got. I mean, the silicon is customized to be able to do these AI type of processes like in a battery efficient way and everything. And it's all, it's all on device, the photo stuff, the Siri stuff. I mean, I know Siri has to query like their big database for answers to certain things, but all of the crunching, I think, and whatever goes on on the device. So that was, they, they, they've talked about that before. They talked about it last year, but they really drove that point home this week. It also made me think of sell. I was some of these things. I think you can, you can compare to Salesforce well, because every, everyone, you know, the, just like big data was the thing a couple of years ago, now the big thing is, uh, you know, AI and and and, and IoT. And, what, you know, whether any of these things are going to live up to the hype is, I think, r- remains to be seen. But Yeah, I mean, you know, I, Apple's a big part of IoT in that they have, you know, some of their new home tool kits and whatever the, their home dashboard or whatever that thing's called. Yeah, and, and, Which is, it looks and seems great, but... Again, it has to have something to connect to, and I don't have ten grand to spend on upgrading all my light bulbs and light switches to put them on the network. Well, I mean, you can certainly get into it for much cheaper than that. No, I'd rather spend ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no, but I mean, it, it it adds up. I mean, you think about it; you don't realize how many switches are in your house until you go through and count them because you have to spend money on them, and then you start doing the numbers of, oh, it's just a ten dollar switch, and then you multiply that by however many switches you have in your house, or oh, it's just a light bulb, and then you go through and go, man, I have a lot of light bulbs here. Right. I have one room with can lights that's got four lights, and the ceiling fan with a light, and this lamp in the room that's got a light. You know, it's it it adds it adds up. Yep, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I have like. 
I don't know what the number is like. It's like 14 or 18 smoke detectors in my house. An insane amount. I mean, the, the regulation on these things is ridiculous now. And it's because it, it's the building codes. And, you know, they just, we have Jeremy, these, they're just trying to keep your family safe from fire. Well, we have these crappy, they're, they're, they're terrible. It's a, they're terrible products. They're, they're not made well. They're just cheap Chinese crap. And I was looking to replace them with something better. And the biggest thing that out there is the, the Nest. Yes, the Nest. Yeah. Um, what do they call I that product? It's anyway, it's a smoke and carbon monoxide detector. Um, but they're a hundred bucks a piece, and I'm like, okay, that's going to cost me eighteen hundred dollars to replace. <laughs> yeah, it adds up. But the other thing about smoke detectors is, I don't. Maybe some people don't realize, but they're only designed to last, um, depending on the model, between seven and ten years. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's probably been seven, seven or eight years. So mine, mine are all due. And they also, you know, they're just, they're not reliable. And I'll put a new battery in, and then two weeks later, it's, it's chirping in the middle of the night, waking my whole family up. And, and the other thing is, like, when you're replacing the battery, at least in the ones I have, if you just grab it the wrong way, it sets them off. And, of course, they're all, they're hardwired together. So when one of them goes off, every single one of my, in the house goes off. All 18 of them. So if you, meaning you grab it wrong and you unplug it from the No, 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 I'm going to plug it like when you're, like I'm holding it and I'm trying to get the battery compartment out. So you unscrew Do it. Do you actually press the test button or no, something? No, 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 no. Really? Yeah, it's just super sensitive. I mean, it's just, uh, they're just garbage. They're absolute garbage. You can read the, I've read the Amazon reviews on people that are just like hundreds of people that are just <laughs> ranting about these things. <clears throat> you ever been in someone's house and they haven't changed their battery? And you're you're there for an extended period of time, oh, and it just yeah. goes. I'm like, how do you how are you living with this? Yeah. That drives me. I have to get up immediately and change it. <laughs> I always have like a stash of a minimum of ten of those nine volt batteries because I never want to be able to not fix that. And also, I've just taken several of them. I have so many in my house. I've taken several of them just down. I just ripped it right off the ceiling and threw it and just crushed it with a. Because uh, there's not only are they hardwired with power, but there's a nine volt battery, and then inside there, there's also some kind of lithium battery. Because I've even taken taken it off the wall, unplugged the nine volt battery, and it's still chirping. Oh yeah. So yeah. there's some other battery in there somewhere, and I've just I'll sledgehammer it. I've done that several times to them. <laughs> and so I'm uh, in my house. I've now I've got several of these spots that used to have a smoke detector. There's nothing there now. Anyway, um, <coughs> I always like it when they update these numbers. So the most recent count of money that Apple has paid to developers from App Store revenue: fifty billion dollars. Wow. That's, and what what do they? Let's see. That's math we can do. How much do they keep? Three percent. Apple keeps thirty percent. Thirty percent. That's right. So it's, I mean, it's really. I mean, in the term, in the scheme, grand scheme of things, with the amount of money Apple makes, that's it's not a big deal for them. But just the fact that they're you know they paid that much. Well, actually, so you have to do that reverse. You have to take fifty billion uh, divided by point seven, and I'll tell you the actual revenue, total revenue. That went through the app store. It's got to be like sixty-five billion, something like that. That's seventy-one. <clears throat> seventy-one billion. That's pretty amazing, man. How many uh, developers did they say they had? I don't know. Um, a billion paid. Yeah, that's just that's amazing, though. Of course, their developer numbers are probably more accurate because you have to actually pay to be a developer. Well, yeah, if you want a the the an active cert and yeah, uh, what 100 bucks a year right to the developer yeah. program. Yeah. Let's see. Here's some numbers. Um, 13 million people have registered and paid 
13 million in apples. Uh, community. 60 million people using the new, the news app. 130 million. Um, 130 million uh, app downloads. So the 13 million developer number kind of put the Salesforce <clears throat> number in perspective because that's it's kind of big. 13 million. Um, does it put it in perspective? I don't know. I mean, because I don't know how to evaluate Salesforce's number. I don't know what that... Salesforce doesn't tell you what that number is. The 2.8 uh, million developers? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I've heard different theories on what that number is. I, they, don't, they, don't, they don't say what it is. They just throw, throw these unsubstantiated numbers. And, of course, no one asks. I mean, I've read that, that those numbers get cloned into news article after news article after news article. Oh, yeah. Not a single journalist asks, what the hell do these numbers mean? No one, no one asks. It's not about reporting news. It's about getting eyeballs into your blog or your website. Right. To see those advertisers. There's 100,000 apps already written in Swift. I think Swift is pretty interesting. The, the new um, iPad application that they have for Swift that's going to let you run things. In fact, my daughter saw it and was pretty excited about it, so I'm going to let her play with it this summer. We'll see how that goes. Apple's added 2 million developers in the last year alone. There's also 2 million apps in the App Store. Crazy. <clears throat> I mean, just the scale of that. And the quality of it's getting so much better, too. Also, the, we, we talked about the whole review time thing. So they Apple, I think, confirmed that now. They said that, I, I'm fudging the numbers here, but I think 70% of apps are approved. So app submission, so you're a developer, you submit an app to go on the App Store. 70% of those submissions get approved within 24 hours, and the other 30%, I think it may be more like 90, 20, but anyway, the other, the remainder is within 48 hours. So they're just, yeah, I think they're really, I mean, I don't know. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, 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 developers. Uh, but the Apple Watch was, for me, the most exciting part. So... Really? Because no one else is excited about the Apple Watch. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think there's, I, I think there's seen, a lot I've, of... I don't know if this is just media being the media, but so many of them have reported that the Apple Watch is a failure. They're not reporting it as a, as a success or as a device that people actually no, are okay. actively going out I mean, and buying and purchasing. They're, they're treating it as a failure. As we discussed, as we, as we uh, <laughs> waxed eloquent last week, uh, it's not a black... You know, it's, this is yet another situation that's not a black and white. All right, well, then continue. Um, is, see, I think overall, for me personally, the Apple Watch has been a failure. I went out and bought it within you know, a month or so of it being out, so I've pretty much had it the whole time it's been out. <clears throat> and I tr I've tried to, you know, I've installed third-party apps. I've tried to you know, get familiar with all the, all the built-in apps and everything, and I just end up just basically not, I mean, I, I use it as I would just any watch that just tells time for the most part. I mean, occasionally, I'll, I guess I'll look down to see a notification instead of taking my phone out of my pocket, but I almost always have my phone out of my pocket. And maybe that's not a good thing either. I'm not saying it is. Um, when I sit down at a restaurant. Now, I'm not the type of person who sits there on their... First of all, I never do phone calls at a table. Or even at a bar. It's rude. Um, but I'm also not the type of person that sits there and will text a bunch when I'm with people in a restaurant. I just think that's rude. <clears throat> but I do like to take my phone out and put it on the table. Mm -hmm. Mainly because I think I'm not... I don't, I've gotten into habit. I don't like the feeling of my phone in my pocket when I'm sitting down. That's more my issue is I don't want it in my pocket. Yeah. So 
again, that negates the need, that negates the value of being able to, the, the glanceability of notifications on the watch. I, I usually have my phone out, so I just, I don't know. But I still wear the watch. I still wear it every day. Um, it's just, it doesn't have near the utility I hoped it would. One of the biggest things I wanted out of it was like um, being able to, my podcast app, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, being able to you know, skip ads or skip episodes or whatever. And just getting, as with any, as with a lot of these apps, just getting the damn thing to load is, uh-huh. it's not even worth it. I just say, I'll take my phone out of, I'll take, taking my phone out of my pocket over that every time. Well, that's because we're on the first generation and so, so much of it is directly tied to the application on your phone, meaning it really doesn't have any processing power on the watch itself. Or at least the, the original API for the watch did not allow for that. So it was right. pretty much just a tether to your phone. Well, that's never been. I clear. think the last, the the version two of the OS did start enabling more functionality within it. I think so, a little bit. It's real marginal, though, right? It's, it it yeah. is. Yeah. I was just actually, I was hoping that was going to be the the big thing that. Well, the big the issue watch. isn't software. The big issue is just battery life. That's the big issue they're fighting against right now. But when now. I take this watch off and out, I've got like seventy five percent of my battery left. Yeah, and I if every if, if every one of your apps had something running in the background, it would be down to zero within a few hours. But I've got seventy five percent left. Clearly, I've got a lot of. Wasted. I mean, I, I'm fine with things using my battery, some of my battery, if that means that it's not so damn slow. I mean, yes, use that battery. I'm tired of it being 75% every night. That means it's just, it hasn't been been working for me. It's not doing anything interesting. And I'm saying use that. But it's never been clear to me what the actual processing capabilities are of the watch. Like, you know, like you were saying, things don't run on the watch. Well, and I've heard that. And I don't exactly know what that means. Um, I've heard, uh, you know, read a little bit on the kind of development overview and how you basically, <laughs> you're basically rendering essentially uh, pings that then get displayed on and get transmitted to the watch. So it's basically, huh. it's just, it's kind of, it's almost like a dumb terminal in a way. Yeah, I could see that. But, I think it'll get better with the next iteration and, and you know, the improvement in battery technology. And, and with the way Apple works well, is they never... The you say, keep saying that. I don't think it needs an improvement in battery technology. My battery's fine. I hardly use any of my battery. The battery is the best thing about this thing. Yes, and they want to keep it that way. One of the bigger complaints about when it first came out is the fact that you pretty much have to charge it every night. At most, if, if you're if you're using it just for notifications, then maybe it's you know every other night. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally any, any. And historically, Apple with their mobile devices, as they improve battery technology and the efficiency of their software, they make it smaller. No, it, well, they make it smaller, but they also add more functionality or enable more features. They never give you. More battery life. It's not like they go, oh, we gave you an hour, an extra hour battery life or 10 hours. No, they take that and they use that to process. They, they clearly, and also it's, it's the size and weight thing. They, they value the reduction of size and weight above increasing, above giving you ridiculous battery life. Like they could totally make a MacBook that gets 30 hours of battery life because mm-hmm. they've shrunk it down so much. They could have just not shrunk it down as much and left a lot more battery in there, but they yeah. don't want to do that. Their exactly. their goal is to give you you know give you ten hours of battery life, and as the technology increases and they can make these things smaller, <clears throat> they're going to keep shrinking that down. They're going to keep shrinking your battery down too, because as long as they can give you that whatever they consider like hey this is a good enough amount of battery life, they're fine with that. And anything they can shave off size and weight wise, they're going to do it. But anyway, I was back to what I was saying. Like, I'm not sure what the processing capabilities are of the watch, the onboard capabilities because. I think apps, apps up to this point have had to be written kind of in a way that it doesn't run on the watch. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, I mean, because there's the, um, it basically like the instant, the instant on or instant launch is what they called it, I think. So you, you know, you launch an app and it's basically, 
essentially, I think what's going to happen is the, the apps you use the most frequently stay in memory on the watch. So that means that, to me, there's probably more memory than I thought there was on this thing, and there's probably more processing power. I don't think there's... I don't think there's a... I don't think there's memory traditionally like you would think it is. I think it's all just solid state. I think it's all just... Well, memory uh, is well, solid state, John. I, what I'm saying is I think there's a minor memory cache of, of active memory, and then the rest of it is just just solid state drive. I'm just saying what they, they said. It's going to keep your most recently used apps in memory on the watch. Whatever, what that means, how much memory there is, I, I, don't, even know. The phone, I don't know. But even the phone is pretty much all there running all the time. It's just, it's, it's the illusion Especially when we're, mo- we're moving to chips, everything is just a, a a memory block that's always there. It's not it's not a hard drive, you know, writing bits anymore. Yeah. I, okay. I don't really understand your point, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I actually, I think the most interesting thing about the changes in what are they called? Watch Watch OS three, I guess is what it's called, mm-hmm. is the way that they they're really redoing most of the UI, most of the interaction model. Um, it's going, they did not emphasize voice interaction and the, how many, how many times, oh, you didn't watch it. They, they hardly mentioned the, what do they call it? The digital, uh, what's this thing? The crown? The digital crown. Yeah. They hardly mentioned that at all. And on previous WWDCs, they said that, you know, in 150 mm-hmm. times in a five minute period, they didn't mention voice interaction. They didn't mention the digital crown. I mean, not, not much. It was very downplayed. And it was all back to, they just, I think they realized that this is a pretty tappable device. I think originally they thought that the primary mode of interaction would be the digital crown, but turns out people just like to tap around on it, and that's what that's how people are interacting. So they've redesigned almost everything about the OS itself, but also the way like a lot of the built-in apps work. Um, the way that you get to or the glances—they're completely—they're basically getting rid of glances, which I think is good because I don't ever use glances. They're well, mainly because they're too slow. Yeah, and I just—they're not. I don't think there's just a lot of value there, and they're replacing that with. I don't know, just basically better ways to get, basically faster apps. Instead of having, I think it's instead of having to do glances, like you won't have to do that because your apps will just be instant. So that's really cool. I mean, and it's, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, I think commentary on this was that basically, basically because of the way they've changed watchOS 3 so much, you know, the UI, the interaction model, it's basically Apple saying, our first attempt at this, we just missed the mark. We were wrong. I mean, obviously Apple's not going to say that, but that's what they're, that's what this means, and I'm fine. I mean, it's, it's iterative. I it's, think it's I think it's great that they are are um, chalking it up to a you know it's a sunk cost or whatever. It's like they're they're okay with completely changing it, leaving that behind, and and saying that this is we got something that we think is better. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing worse than when you stick to your pride of we worked so hard on this. It's it's got to be right, right? We worked so hard on it. Turns out you were wrong. I don't care how hard you worked on it. You got some critical stuff wrong, and it needs to change, and it's a good sign that they're, they're changing it. I mean, it could also just be an indication of the change of times and, you know, change of technology that makes things a little more accessible to them in terms of processing. Um, they also have new hardware that enables a lot, of more, a lot more touch-centric features like the whole 3D touch. Yeah. Do watches have 3D touch? Yes. They do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the, they call it for, it's called Force Touch on the watch, right? Just that hard press. That's my only force touch device. I don't have any other force touch devices. Um, yeah, your next version of the phone will have it, and any newer version of trackpads for your MacBooks will have it. Yeah, and I'll be getting a phone and a 
MacBook Pro upgrade. It's pretty expensive year, oh, it isn't is. it? No, it is. I mean, because I'm, just... I'm, I'm due for a new MacBook. I'm due for a new phone. Although I'm already hearing rumors, and this is odd, um, because this is. I think this year is going to be very heavy software in terms of changes. Um, beyond because I mean, I think the the most major hardware change they made was the 3D Touch. I read I read a headline. Sorry, I didn't read the article. I read a headline that said something to the effect that iOS. That, I'm sorry, not iOS. The iPhone 7 might be overshadowed by the iOS 8, meaning that there's already enough rumors and leaks about features in, in iOS iPhone 10. 8 <laughs> right, okay. that, that it might overshadow iPhone 7. Oh, it really? Already? Yeah. At, but again, I haven't immersed myself in that culture in quite a while because I've been extremely busy, whereas on previous times, I knew everything that was coming out. I heard all the rumors. I made my decisions, and it was almost like a... A, a betting game where I was like, yep, I was right. right, right. It's like bingo. Yeah. <laughs> where I just had my bingo card and I was like, all right, I was, you know, I picked my favorite rumors and, you know, whichever one won. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting that there, there are people still still thinking that they have plenty to innovate, plenty to, to add to the conversation. And there's the also the theory that this iPhone 7 may be the first time they've ever done two in a row of the talks, so the TikTok Right, where you have on one, you have alternating years, like one, you know, on the, on the tick year, you get a brand new, whole new design phone on the talk, which is mm-hmm. the next year. It's just a slightly more powerful version of that phone. Right. Not a whole lot of, sometimes they'll improve the camera a little bit, but it's not a, it's the same form factor. Right. And maybe this is <clears throat> the first time where they've, this will be the third year of the same phone form factor. That would be disappointing. And that, that, that was could, like that, a could new phone. that could be one of the things this article is talking about is that you know they're not going to do any kind of major revisions to the the phone or the hardware itself, other than you know minor performance improvements and things like that. At the eight, the eighth version is where they're going to really try to change things up, and and maybe that's a better cycle for them. Yeah. All right. Well, just a couple other things because we probably uh, you know we don't want to get any more negative reviews. <laughs> um, they're finally opening up Siri. To third-party extensions, which yep. is really interesting. Um, I'm gonna love this universal clipboard. So you copy and paste something. You copy something on your Mac, and you can then paste it on your phone. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. yeah that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> impossible to please, John. Um, Maps is opening up to third-party extensions. Oh, it's possible to please me. Well, it's gonna have buttons to push. Yeah, exactly. I'm not interested in those. Uh, your Maps is open to third-party extensions. Um, I'm not sure what all that means. Mm-hmm. I, I've written yeah. off Maps. Yeah. What do you I <laughs> go back to Google. Google Maps? Yep. Yeah, you know, the thing is, I mean, God, Map, app, They uh, have a really big uphill battle with Maps. But I think they've already climbed up so much of it. Um, I've, and I, because I, I still, I test Apple Maps and Google Maps side by side all the time and Waze. And in the past, Apple Maps would, um, a couple, a couple of issues. One, it would not know where things are based on their name, right? Mm-hmm. That's hardly ever a problem anymore. I don't know what they're using. Now, did they sign a deal with Yelp or know. something? I don't know. Apple Maps and directions. I'm not done. All right, I'm not done. All right. And the other thing is, I would compare the routes they give me, right? And the third, well, and there's a really a third thing, which is um, comparing how good they all do to rerouting you, or if some if there's some wreck that happens, does it does it correctly reroute you? And I and Apple Maps already does that, but I guess it's going to get better or something because that's one of the things they mentioned was it's going to be constantly you know scanning traffic and situations. Further, you know, downstream in your in your route, and they will, um, you know, reroute you better. But Apple Maps just so it's just so much smoother than everything else. It is. 
But I, I do. St- I, I shouldn't say I don't use Apple Maps because I still do because it's the default for getting directions and also my watch, which which is another reason I use my watch is it's really nice for directions for because. Maps. Now, do you do you know like because you know it taps you different types of taps to, to tell you to turn left or right or whatever? Do you do you use that? Yeah, I have no clue. Oh, you don't. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even notice the taps. In fact, at first I notice the taps, but then as I get further into my drive, the taps I kind of get numb to them. What really, what really kind of grabs my attention is the fact that my hand is on the steering wheel and I see the screen pop up, light up. And, yeah. Oh, and then, and then I notice the the directions. Yeah, because it's got it on the screen. Which right. direction to turn? Yeah. Which is much better than reaching down to my phone. I, it's, it's my hands on the steering wheel. I can glance down at it. It's almost like an extension of my, you know, dashboard or. Yeah. That's cool. Um, that'd be cool if that if that integrated with cars that have the heads up display. That would be awesome. Maybe it does because it has. There's CarPlay. I don't use CarPlay. Do you? I have a. I have a. My car is stuck in the previous millennium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to milk my. What, what? What am I now? Ten years? Yeah, my ten year old yeah, car. I'm trying to milk way. it for another five years. I enjoy not having a car payment. Um, man, did you see the? I guess it was. On, it was on iPad, but the Swift Playground, the new Swift Playground. Well, that's what I was talking about. Man, that looked. That was really nice. It looks awesome. It does. And Swift has always been tradition. Swift has always from inception been able to run and execute real time, meaning you can you can make your changes and you can have your preview and see that happen. Right. Which, you know, is it's it's weird because in some ways Swift is more dynamic, more yeah. like a scripting language, but in other ways it's less dynamic. Oddly enough, I mean Objective C is a it's a dynamic, you know, message passing uh language. And so there's no what's it called? It's it's all late bound. All all messages message passing is, is late bound. So it compile time. You don't even know necessarily, or you don't. You know the code doesn't even care what it's, how it's going to, re- like basically what's going to re- receive the message. It's uh-huh. it's almost um, oh what did uh, boy this goes back to like the ActiveX days or to Com. Um, Com had a similar. It, that's basically similar, kind of what it is actually. Uh, don't bring up Com. Well, and that's what enabled. No one wants to talk about Com. Visual Basic was built on this. Was yeah. built on. At, uh, calm under the hood that would do um, what was their term for I unknown but it was basically late, late binding we have swept calm under the rug dynamic no binding. one wants to talk about calm no, no. unfortunately it's still it's still out there <laughs> it's still out there and in use everywhere no one wants to talk mm-hmm. about that but an- another cool number is that Apple TV since they launched that the the I guess it's I didn't realize it's, it's still not that old that, that little hockey puck is that less than a year old no I'm sorry it's when they opened up it opened it up for native apps so that's been seven months, and they've had 6,000 native apps that are now available on the Apple TV. That's crazy. Nate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right, because they did open. Okay. Yeah. And I say, I don't, I'm not an Apple TV user. That's I the, don't that's use the, those apps. I mean, there's, there's a lot of games and everything on them, but they're better. The, right now, at least at this point, they're ports of, of you know, your iPad apps, your phone apps. So a lot of, you're, you're still using the controller for a lot of the touch things, so you're kind of disassociated from the content. It's this like weird ghost controller for a touch interface, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but for every for my Netflix and for everything movies and everything else, I love it, and especially the 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 new feature of being able to talk to it. Yeah. Which you could do, but now it's in, in, integrated with the search. Looks which pretty is good. Really too. powerful. Yeah. Because yeah, cool. it is a pain to try to search for something and click, 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 click. I mean, you can basically say, um, you know, show me the movies where Mel Gibson was an actor or whatever. Right. It just. Boom. Yeah, yeah that's the Siri portion of it. But even just that that input for the search, if you go to search and mm-hmm. you get that input, right. 
you just hit it and you you talk and it types it out for okay. you and then you can search mm, and that yeah. that for me is it's much bigger than just the digital assistant and i think it's it was um iOS. what's the next ios 10 yeah yes i think it's 10 also is the there's going to be a a remote app for the an apple tv remote app on the phone that's supposed to be you know supposed to be really good yeah everyone was kind of disappointed that the that the remote the current remote app for apple tv wasn't compatible with the latest version so they're basically bringing that yep. to this version. Um, mm. In terms of things I like that I thought were notable is the the unlock feature of MacBooks because you're near your your watch or your the proximity with your watch. Yeah, do you like that? I do. Okay, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean I can type my password really fast and it's a pretty decent password too. But uh, that is kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what? But what if someone like is forcing you to unlock your computer and and you don't want to type it and just by the fact that you're near it, it's unlocked, and then someone steals your data. And then you got bigger problems. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> the The fact that your watch unlocked it is not the problem. <laughs> it's yeah. the fact that there are people they're forcing you to open your computer. Well, John, do you have? I've got. Um, I figured we need to talk about the LinkedIn thing with Microsoft, and I mean, I have some more just thoughts on Trailhead X after I've kind of went back and looked at, tried to find out what news was there. But I figure we might want to wait because we. Yeah, actually, let's talk actually, about I, that. We, I don't want to pre-announce anything on Trailhead X because, and but we we might be putting together a special episode. <laughs> we may or may not be. It's in the works. Yeah. So I figured we might just save that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I do want to say before we get too far into it. Um, oh, I have a shout out to make as well. Don't let me finish this without doing that shout out. Um, next week I'm I'm going to the Dallas Developer Group, um, part of a MVP panel. So all the local MVPs here in Dallas will be at the user group. And I will be there. I will be here recording and then race on over (laughs) Mm. to to where we need to be. So we'll be doing that. Mm. You'll have to represent both of us there. You're not going to come and support me. You're not going to come and hang out and and be there and hand out shirts and stickers. Mm. No. Sorry. I mean, are the MVPs, I mean, they, uh, I don't know. Is the, is, the, is the assumption here that MVPs have special knowledge and you get to ask them things? Or is it is it just a discussion panel where MVPs talk about MVP stuff? It, it's more of a, you know, get to know your local MVPs, you know, hear our stories, you know, be a, and be available to ask us questions or anything like that about the program or just any question you have. Uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, I, sh- I should actually I should go to a um, one of the what are they called meetups? The developer, the mm-hmm. the user groups. Yeah, user group. I still go to some, but I I um, not the Salesforce one. I went to I think it was the develop- Salesforce developer user group maybe a year a couple year or two ago, mm-hmm. and it was just it was not a good experience. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because I've been to a few, um, and I think I think. I think a lot of it is built around this Salesforce culture, and I know yeah, we have you, you a. You could say like, that. You so, can say that. I I feel like I have to caveat this because so many of our listeners are user group members and user group leaders and things like that. And I'm not trying to knock the program, but what I am trying to say is that a lot of times because of the way Salesforce wraps, because there's actually two different user groups. There's the I guess there's the user group, and then there's like the developer group, right? Um, and people, a lot of people I see who. Their companies, you know, their company bought Salesforce and there's some de- developers within it that traditionally aren't Salesforce developers. 
and I've seen them come to those groups. You know, they'll, they'll come and they'll ask questions, you know, and they'll, they'll try to participate. But I see them kind of rolling their eyes or not really rolling their eyes, but getting bored or not having the engagement because they're like, this is not what I thought a developer group would be like because they're covering a lot of this point and click stuff over here. And I, I, I but I think that's kind of, that's kind of inherent with the Salesforce culture because the lines have been blurred between, you know, what you can do as a citizen developer and what you can do as a coder, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that, I think the number one thing that uh, jumped out at me was, you know, Salesforce themselves have really created this culture and set up all the incentives and everything around certifications. And it's very, you know, Salesforce world, I got to say it, everyone's very status oriented um, when it comes to certifications. Do you feel uh, inferior to my status? No, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like you. you can I mean, choose what do you mean by you status? Can, I don't. I don't feel like there's like this class warfare within you, Salesforce. Have you seen people's their uh, Twitter avatars and their email signatures? I mean, it's they're plastered oh, with. It's like they tiled their room with but their you're, certifications. You're, you're assuming that that's some kind of like, you know, evil guy rubbing their hands. Ha ha ha! Look how many certifications I have, and no, you no, have no, none. No, no. No, I do have certifications. I just don't care about them, and I don't. I don't. <laughs> that, that is not the identifying thing about me. As a person or as a professional, I mean, these sort of uh, my certifications say very little about my actual capability and my most important skills, which is also why I don't find these certifications very valuable because they pretty much brush under the rug. I don't the, know the most important skills. I, okay, so I agree to you. I agree with you to a certain extent, but at the same time, the exams and preparing for them are not easy. You know, it's not like you can just walk in no, it's not off easy. the street it's and, not easy. and go, oh, I, I passed this. This is, this is super easy. Some of, some of those are hard. I'm not saying they're easy, and I'm not saying they're not a good, they're not necessarily a good thing to do for your career or whatever. They're not good to have them. I guess, I mean, a couple things. One is that, yes, some of these are hard, but there's so much more involved in being a professional software engineer or a professional Salesforce consultant or whatever than what than what an exam can possibly expose. So that's one point. The second point is, again, the because I haven't, I haven't seen this in any other ecosystem or whatever, is the plastering of these badges or certification badges all over everything. I go, bull- On what? Marker. <laughs> On what? What do you, I mean. Oh, you do not, you can't tell me you don't remember the, the craze around the MCSE. The whole Microsoft culture of certifications that was created these business these companies that's simple, that exist no. purely yeah. to get your mcse certification right. that's what they did that's how they made their money yeah that's similar um and there was the mcsd but that just didn't take yeah, off and then that expanded that and then now you have like off. net plus certifications and all these other certifications well, right. and, about, and, and and again uh, you know the java world i mean there there are java certifications but the only people i can tell who get them are people who are just starting their career and they have they have no credentials, they have no experience. It's like the one, I mean, it's an easy way to go and prove that you you pass this test at least, and maybe you might be you know worth considering. Um, but beyond that, I mean, none of the the real experienced people, um, none of them have any certifications. It's just not I, a thing you do. It's just it's such a bad way to to. But I don't think it's a it's a it's a reason to discourage anyone from getting certifications. I didn't. I, th- I, didn't. I think what it is is a different differentiator. So if, if you have ten years experience in developing Salesforce, that's what speaks to someone to someone on your resume. If you're looking over resumes and, and you see oh they've got ten years, they know how to do this stuff. I'll put him on the the maybe pile. Okay. 
Um, but maybe you're 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 hiring and you're you're not that picky, but you have a bunch of people who go, I have no experience, but I'd like to get into this, and you have someone that says. Um, I'm just getting into this, but I have these certifications. That's a differentiator between someone who who doesn't have any certifications, and someone who does, and that could get you on the maybe pile. That's what I that's what I just described in the Java world. Like the only people who get the certifications are people who they ha- they have no. There's really nothing else for them to. That's kind of your step one into starting your career. You get you know if you graduate your computer science program or whatever, you're gonna you know be doing programming. Like get get a Java cert, get or get the MCSD or whatever Microsoft has these days. Some something that's just like. Yeah, because the only thing you've got on your resume is basically like some college intern project or something, right? You're just looking for some credentials so that when you're compared against all these other entry level people too, it's just something to help you maybe yeah. float to the top of the stack. Right, exactly. So from that perspective, I mean, certifications can be valuable. I, they yeah. can be a valuable tool that kind of demonstrates that I have some very basic critical knowledge of how this works, and I can I can help you, you know, do whatever you need to do. Yeah, it says you right, right. I mean, uh, well. Well, mm, I might have been pushing. I can contribute to to <laughs> to what you're trying to do. Yeah, at, at, at a more effective level than say. Well, that's someone why I who, said if this is something that makes sense, you know, for your career, I, I'm not. I don't discourage it at all. I mean, it is what it is. It's it's saying you passed a, a, some certain exam. Um, that's worth, depending on the situation, just what it what it's worth. I mean, some you know, there's some situation that might help you. Um, the the thing I don't like is just the how sell, how hard Salesforce pushes that certification culture to the point that. And I've and I've I've just seen so many employers do this, where that's pretty much the the basically what they hire on almost exclusively. Yeah, um, I, th- I think and, that's the same example they'll, they'll, of. And they'll, they'll turn away killer people because they're not into the certification thing. But that like, can that can be a lot of different things. I, 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 well, hiring is not easy. Bad. No, it's not. Hiring it's not. is not easy. And, and, and most organizations, I think, do it poorly. <laughs> I would. Don't you think that's safe to say? I, th- I think I do it poorly. It, it's it, no. I'm saying it's it's <laughs> it's, most it's, it's an art. It's an art trying to trying right. to understand. It, it, it's almost like you have to have a psychology degree to be able to effectively hire people because you have to understand beyond the surface of what someone's thinking or their nerves of the interview, the the nerves of being judged. Right. You have to be able to think past that and 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 try to organize your thoughts, your questions around what's going to draw out the experience that they have, so that I can make a decision. And there's been all this talk that's really gotten. Um, Hit, hit kind of a, a fever pitch about you know these these like the live coding interviews because they're just they you know, they're really controversial and everyone's just now talking about how bad of an idea they are and all that so it's it's clearly this is an, I can my, tell you I would fail a live coding I probably would too I mean you know anyway especially that's, if there's no materials available to me if if they just sit me down with a problem and say code it because I switch between so many different languages I can't remember every API like APIs, out, yeah. out there right I heavily use a you know, API documentation. I have them hotkeyed. I have them in my my Alfred application where I can just type a keyword yeah, and do right. a search and and bring it up because I don't have time to memorize everything. Not my point. I know what I need I, to do. We got to pop the stack several points here. We right. just keep, we keep going further and further down. <laughs> my point is, yes, um, hiring is hard. Um, maybe Salesforce has good intentions with certifications. They're they're trying to make it easier to hire. I think it actually makes hiring worse because it's a crutch. And cr- sometimes when you're about to fall down. A crutch is really nice because it just holds you up. And yeah, okay, this crutch isn't so bad. I'll just keep using this crutch, right? That's I think what happened. But anyway. but, it, but is Salesforce saying the certifications are are the the way to hire people? I think, no, I and think I'm, Salesforce so I'm really is saying, not. I'm not necessarily blaming he, Salesforce or saying they're doing it wrong. I'm just it's a, it's just a shame, I guess. And I'm not blaming anyone other than I guess I don't know companies that hire that way, right? It's not Salesforce's fault. Um, I do think that Salesforce. I don't. I think overall, I don't like the certification culture, and so I would say I, I guess I kind of wish Salesforce didn't do that. But so, what do, you, what do you think about 
certifications versus trailhead? I don't know. They're kind of different things. I mean, Trailhead is a is a learning tool, but I mean, right? I mean, I mean in terms tool. of value, do you think certifications but is I'm, kind no, of wait, old wait, school nineties? Trailhead is an experience. It's a culture. It's a it's a game. <laughs> I wish I had the the quotes up. I don't know, but you know, Trailhead it's, it's a learning. I mean, they're they're different things. I mean, the certi- certification is very much you go study and you take this really official test where it's proctored and everything and. It's a very, it's much more an official thing than a, a trailhead. I mean, I could, you could sit down and do my trailhead badges for me, whereas you couldn't sit down here at my computer and do my certifications for me. It's, it's much more rigorous. I, I guess I see trailhead versus certifications as, as, I'll draw an analogy, waterfall versus agile. With, with the certifications, you have to study everything you can up front and then try to pass that test at the end versus, you know, trailhead, which you're kind of taking this more iterative approach to it. You're taking... Groups of con- or a concept, yeah. mastering that concept, gaining your badge, and then moving on to the next one. So you're yeah. doing this iterative, agile approach to to your training, to your learning. I, I, I'll I'll buy that. I guess I I, th- I think to me the biggest difference though is that Trailhead is how you how you can learn, whereas the certification is okay. You learned this, or we prove it. You you think you've learned this? Now you have to prove it, right? Right. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to keep popping the stack up. I, I should have kept a. <laughs> what's our max stack depth? I, I think we should have thrown a Stack Overflow exception by now. <laughs> Back to the the user group thing. Um, it was real, real focused on certifications, and I think that I, I'm, I'm I would imagine that any given one of those meetings you show up to, the probably the developer one or the citizen developer one. I don't know whatever they call the other one. I mean, they spend thirty minutes talking about certifications, what's new, what's changed, who's doing this, uh, who wants to get together and have study sessions, and all you know. Just like, and I and then so they. Which I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember now. They did that for 30 minutes, which really was testing my patience. And then um, someone got up to give some. I think it was a lightning demo or some something that just I was like, I don't. I waited for this, and then I got up. And I didn't make a scene. I was very <laughs> polite. I'm not. I'm not rude or anything. I just. I'd had enough. And it was really. It was really crowded. I think there were people were a lot of people were standing up. It was standing. You know, again, they're victim of their own success, right? I mean, cr- the overcapacity for the room. It's very uncomfortable. Um, stinky pizza everywhere, stinky people everywhere, crammed in, <laughs> this hot, you know, just, it's very uh Not humid, all of them. I think you're room. painting a very broad picture. Just saying the room in general stunk. <laughs> and so, you know, I waited through the certification thing, hoping there would be something on the other side of that that would be worth saying for it, and there wasn't, so I politely excused myself, and I haven't been back. Maybe I should go back. Oh, maybe you should. Next week. <laughs> then again, maybe I should. <laughs> maybe you should next week to at least support me. And, and hang out and, and maybe, Clap. you know what, maybe not to support me. Maybe you just ask a really tough question to make me look like an idiot. I'll, I'll laugh at your jokes. I'll be the one guy. And then I'm not going to have any jokes. Oh, you know, I'm going to put myself out there and try to. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Is that how we got on this conversation? I don't know how we got on that. This was not a planned conversation. Well, we, you know how we got on that? Was talking about how we weren't going to talk about Trailhead. <laughs> uh, we've had some serious rat holes tonight. You know what I find interesting? Uh, this is another rat hole about the whole <laughs> about the whole Trailhead X thing. What is if you look at it? It seemed very. You tell me. Was Trailhead a very central theme of the Deve- Trailhead X developer conference? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. And you know what's funny about that? That's not what they planned to name it. The Salesforce asked the MVPs if we were supposedly hypothetically going to create a developer conference, 
what would you call it? And they came out with, they had their list of things. It was these weird, you know, verbs. Yeah. Force dev. You know, no, it wasn't even force specific. Force I actually <laughs> congratulate them for not doing anything cloud or anything yeah. specific. It had nothing to do with any of their existing marketing. It was like, it was, I don't know, I'm, I'm making stuff up. But this this wasn't the list because I don't remember. It's like enlighten or, or uplift or, you know, it was all these, these words about bringing people up, I guess, was the theme. And one of the, one of the MVPs <laughs> said, why not Trailhead X? It was just something they put, they tossed out there because they were, you know, because Trailhead has been it's, it's of a play, recent again, years. It's, it's a play on the TEDx, which is an... And almost instantly, everyone. yeah, exactly, TEDx and yeah. then Trailhead X. Almost instantly, there was a response back in, perfect. Okay. And that's what they went with. Right. And, and so this, I, I wonder that's if fine. the name itself shaped how this conference came about and the fact that it's, it's very Trailhead specific. And in fact... Did they have super trailhead badges? Super badges? Super badges, there you go. As a thought previous to this event? Or did it come about because of the way they named this event and the way it took shape? I thought the super badges existed, well, before Trailhead X took place. I'm not sure if it was before it was planned or they, the super badges were kind of part of the planning of Trailhead X. You know what? I mean, and again, I'm... I mean, this whole event, through exception to creation and happening was only over the course of a few months. I still haven't talked to anyone who went. Um, the coverage, I feel like, either was not good or there just wasn't much there, one of the two. That's why I really I want to talk to some people who went. I think we should talk to people because the few people I've been asking questions, they have mixed feelings and mixed reviews, but most of them did come back with something they thought was was either compelling or they found extremely interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for, like, Good news in a selfish way. The th- things that I want out of Salesforce. I'm always looking for news. Coming Wait out of minute, things. That's and it, my stick. Don't take that from me. You're the cynical one. Anyway, and it and it didn't. I mean, it didn't really happen. So I can put that aside. You know. But if you consider that um, this was the first time they've ever done this, this it was basically the first developer event. They're probably looking around at you know Microsoft Build and Intel thing and the AWS reinvent and I mean everyone's got you know Java One, mm-hmm. Oracle's. Um, Oracle, what are the open world, right? I mean, all these, everyone's got uh, a, I wouldn't put open world in there. Well, the only reason I mentioned open world is because now open world and Java 1 are yeah, coexist. Yeah, they, they did kind of merge or the two, co- which I bet the Java people hate that. I don't think they like it. Yeah. yeah from the guys I've talked to. I've never, I haven't, I've never been to Java 1 at all. But I got to um, imagine, you know, you take a very developer-centric, because Java is development. Right. It's not a... CRM, it's not a this. It's it's a programming language and a conference built around that language. I mean, it's a developer conference. It's, and then you a, take it and you put, real it, language. you put it in the world of sales and marketing and go, hey, we're all one big one world. Yeah, and although I will say, I mean, the one world, that I think that also includes just all these badass, you know, um, really high-end database engineers and database developers and all this stuff. I mean, those, that gets really hard. That's hardcore. true. That's true. I don't want to discount I, I bet one there's world. a lot of Salesforce employees that work on their database. Oh, they go to open yeah, world, right? I'm I mean, sure. So. That's, their, that's their dream force. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I mean, given that, you know, Salesforce is a almost $10 billion, $8 billion company and they're talking about developers all the time and they, they say, you know, I, I think clearly Salesforce thinks that developers are a key, you know, a huge part of their future. Well, they are. Their success. They are. Um, so you need a developer conference. It was the first. It was the first one. Um, you know, for me it was. And again, I don't want to get into the details, but it was, it was, it was, it was very. It seemed very, um, you know, hippy dippy. You know, kumbaya. Uh, I mean, a multi culty. Yay! And you remember the thing was like, oh, this is it's this is Trailhead X. We're a culture. It's about us. It's about no matter where you're from. And you know, just all this. It was very. 
you know, that movie trailer basically that they made about it. That was it was all about this feeling. Did it have a brom brom? Did it have one of those in it? What is that? <laughs> all the movie trailers they all have like a brom. <laughs> Ever since Inception came out with the bomb. <laughs> that's that's going that's, on the that's, soundboard. No, look, look. Go to YouTube and I'll uh, send you the link. I'll okay. put the link in the show notes. All right. There there are p- plenty of people who have gone through it and found that that bomb sound, that bass, drawn out bass is an is like a thing in every trailer, mm-hmm. every action movie trailer. It's there. No, it did start out with this though. In a world. Well, that's 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 kind of the bomb. Uh, that the, you heard the, and then they hear the yeah. bomb. Um, yeah, it was it was real, you know, touchy feely, all in you know, community and uh, whatever, and it and. But why not? Um, why not? Well, it depends on what your goal is or what you have. What I mean, the the question is, like, what else do they? What do you have? What do you got to show? I mean, if you want to know what developers want to see, look at what w- Apple just did with WWDC. Like, look at the all the stuff that was announced. And for me, anyway, if I would, I think again, I want to hear some for some people from that went, but it, I just didn't. Well, you said that earlier, like, yeah, I didn't listen anything, any news come out of. I mean, okay. Since you're just dragging me into this, what are the, what do they announce? Lightning Locker Service, which I think they had been, they've talked about that before. I don't know if they had branded it Lightning Locker Service yet, but that's not anything new. The Lightning Inspector, which I'm assuming is part of the dev console, which I hope I don't ever have to use. And then there's a, there's yep. a Lightning CLI, which I don't know, maybe interesting. I don't know what it does. Command line uh, tool. Yeah. Um, the, you... the debug, uh, I'm sorry, not the debugger, the linter. Well, I'm going to say it's a linter. Um, but the pre-compile, it's, like it's got to be a linter, right? I mean, yeah, basically, it's kind of like a JavaScript linter. I mean, it tells you what's wrong or whatever. And I, I wonder if, you know, true, I mean, a linter, when I think of a linter, I think of something a highly flexible, configurable, like... Because some, I mean, some of these linters will, if you leave all, if you turn all the features on, it basically won't let you run a lot, write a line of code because you've done something wrong, right? It's enforcing style guidelines and, oh, we, you know, all that, all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. But, if but seems- at its core, it's, it's, it's not compiling the code. It's, it's, it's analyzing the code for potential errors for, for. Yeah. It's, it's. Like you said, for styling and all those kind of things. And I can't see Salesforce. Well, I shouldn't say that, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's a, some kind of true pre-compiler I, th- I think it's probably on, at the surface more of a linter but i don't know until i see it yeah i don't i don't think it's a i mean first, first of all we're talking about javascript so if if you are compiling it's compiling was compiling mean in javascript um obfuscating or just you know, re, you, know re, you know removing spaces and things like that and i mean there's really no i, I, mean, I, I can't se. see it being anything other than a linter because yeah, ultimately just, apex becomes java code at some point and that yeah. would mean that they'd have to compile it completely because it's so tied to the platform. Right. It, it'd have to be um, a pre a pre compiler that just. Are you talking about the JavaScript part? No, so? I'm talking about the Salesforce pre. What they're calling a pre compiler. I can't see it being anything more than a linter. Pre compiler. I didn't even hear that. Or or a partial, partial. compiler. Oh, that's that's, on, that's, on, the, that's on the APEC side. You're, you're yeah, we're crossing the streams here. That's okay. on the APEC side. I don't even know. Yeah, that's actually true. I mean, they they. I heard Adam uh, Seligman mention it, but I didn't see any details and I couldn't find any news articles that talked about what that was. I mean, well, I'm, because the media doesn't know anything about developments, they're not going to cover they, the, they actual de- I mean, the actual development news no, that came somebody, out of somebody came out of it. Kind of link to this article. This guy wrote up like this. I mean, five thousand word write up, and it didn't talk about. It didn't get. I mean, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't mention anything developer related. I'm like, it was all about just 
how infectious and cool and um, just about the stylistic aspects of the event and nothing about any of the substance. I'm like, how do you write? This guy was some kind of consultant. I'm like, how do you write, you know? I Are you thinking the hip, the, of the um, Happy Trails article? Yes. yep. Mm-hmm. I read that. The first part of it kind of pissed me off because it was very – the second part of it, I okay, so we'll talk about this article. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, we're, we're actually talking about the same thing, so I'll bring it up. The first but part I, of We it, haven't even gotten to the LinkedIn thing, and I'm, I've got about five minutes left. <laughs> I, feel like we should, I feel like we should save Trailhead. Okay, let's, our, all right, let's, let's, let's save Trailhead. Okay. I'll, I'll parking lot this, and we'll – I mean, not that we haven't pretty much already blown it. We kind of didn't, but I do want to jump to LinkedIn. That's a bit huge news. It, eh. Well, yeah. it, it's huge because, at least in terms of how it's, it's definitely um, affects Salesforce. How so? They've already decoupled LinkedIn from it. They stopped. They stopped automatically including the. the they had like some kind of LinkedIn connector that that was available as a native well, feature, yeah, and uh, they've decoupled that already. Long time ago. <laughs> Since you already answered your own your own question, let's just back up and talk about what this is. So, so Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Hooray! They played too much. Well, you know what? LinkedIn was had an EBIT of a billion dollars a year. Um, so what? They've been around for forever, and I hate using LinkedIn. They haven't been around as long as Salesforce. People are freaking gamifying okay. LinkedIn. I, I actually saw uh, a profile. Is, you're not going to let us do this topic, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. I actually saw a profile <laughs> on LinkedIn that in their, in their name, they advertised how many connections they have. People aren't using it to socialize n- and network. The most I get off, off LinkedIn is a few people who meet me. And want to link in, the the rest of it, and I'm gonna say that's ten percent. The rest of the ninety percent are headhunters, people looking for people to to staff jobs, and people who are trying to gain the system and create as many connections as they can. All right, so it's officially on the record. John does not like LinkedIn. Okay, can no. we can we can we move along now? Move along. All right. So they paid uh, like twenty seven, twenty five, twenty seven billion. So about half the price that they were supposedly going to pay for Salesforce. So for half the price of Salesforce, they got a company that instead of losing money every year, makes a billion dollars a year. To do what? I'm just saying from a, it doesn't matter what. I don't care that you don't like the product. What I'm saying is they, their EBITDA this year is $1 billion. Okay. I'm just saying that's, I, I think about if what, LinkedIn, from a, from a business if perspective. If LinkedIn felt they a, had a, had a my, winning business model that they could grow their platform on, they wouldn't have sold. You are throwing out every straw man possible, which is fine. <laughs> I don't even disagree with you. Do I think they had a great business? No. Do I think they had a great future? No. no. Do I think they were in trouble? Yes. Yes. That's beside the point. Let me just get through some <laughs> points here. All right. Go for it. The, the, anyway, my point, their EBITDA was a billion dollars a year. That's their earnings before interest and taxes and de- depreciation, all that stuff. Are they gap or non-gap? That's, that's gap. <laughs> um, the Microsoft consultants appear downright giddy about this. They are super excited because they think that this gives them a huge um, strategic advantage over Salesforce. And that's why, why? That's why I think that, well... That's stupid. They think, I mean, well, okay. You're, you're going to have to try to put aside your disdain for LinkedIn for a minute, okay? Because the bottom line is, is that everyone uses it. A lot of people use it for... A lot of people find a lot of value in it. And it's actually, I will say, although there's a bunch of things about LinkedIn that bug me, and even though that I've not kept up with LinkedIn, and I apologize if you've requested my thing on there. I didn't accept it because I haven't logged in forever and I'm, it's so out of date, it's embarrassing. 
But I really should. I keep talking about that. I really should. As much as there's things about it I don't like, I need to log into it. I need to get it updated. I need to you know, build this network because it's actually it, it's actually a really good way to find out where people are now that you used to work with. Because sometimes you never know when. Like, I need to talk to that. I need to talk to John. That's who I need to talk to. Well, where the hell is he? I haven't talked to him in five years, but he was so bad. You have Twitter for that. No, you have Facebook and Twitter for that. I mean, I don't know. You don't need anyway, LinkedIn. I, I told you, you got you got to put. I, I we uh, we get we understand how you feel about it. Okay. I'm not saying I'm right or you're wrong. I'm just saying these are, I'm answering your question of why people, I'm, I'm setting the stage for why the on, why Microsoft bought them and why the, all the Microsoft Dynamics consultants are, are super excited about this. The bottom line, even though that you really don't like it and I partially don't like it, is a, it's a freaking gold mine. The data is a gold mine. The social aspect it's is a, a gold mine. It's a very creepy system. It, it, is, it is absolutely creepy. And they've built creepiness around it. In fact, it's so creepy that you can't even look at someone's profile without them knowing about it. I know, but John, you know this. We're all heading to creepy. We yes. all know that. If I, if I so? want, just want to casually look at your profile or look up someone that I worked with before, now I'm a freaking stalker because I'm right. checking out your profile. And this, you know listen, about two it. Two years ago, Benioff said we're all heading. He knows that. We're all heading to creepy. It's all, it's all creepy. And anyway, so this, this gives Microsoft a simply, simply similar to the data.com like in, enrichment thing, right? No. The, the jigs? No. Yeah, that's what like Jigsaw, right? That's what that was. Everyone entered their every business card they get, they'd enter it into Jigsaw. Yeah, I guess I see that. And then people use it to, yeah. to cold call and spam and everything. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's, that's why is. they like it. Lead, John, lead gen. And that's I, why they I'm like gonna, it. Okay. In case you did not realize this, they you, just you bought. Work, you work in an ecosystem full of salespeople they and bought, marketers. Okay. They paid twenty six billion dollars <laughs> for a freaking lead list. Basically, yes, yes, and a, and a social network though. No, they don't care about the social network. Yes, they do. They bought a freaking lead list. Right. Call it what it is. Yeah. But it's a lead list they're going to be able to sell and sell and sell and sell. And the lead list that constantly is enriching yes. itself. At um, least for the next few years before people go, this sucks, I'm getting out. So I, got a, I, I have a couple of quotes from Microsoft partners. So this one guy says, the customers that have made the move to dynamic CRM are happy today that Microsoft made this acquisition. There is certainly no buyer's remorse. And I bet the customers that chose Salesforce.com are second-guessing themselves right now. Whatever. Yeah. Salesforce, more than likely and most definitely, Salesforce had a, had or did make a bid on that. These bids they probably don't, did. They might these, have. These, 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 these things don't happen in a vacuum. A company like LinkedIn doesn't go, oh, Microsoft, yeah, I'll sell to you. No, they go, um, we're up for bid. Um, why right. don't you guys uh, tell us you know, how much you want to pay for us, and we'll pick the best bid. Right. That's how this works. Yep. <clears throat> but think about think about dynamics, and I, I made a little note here just so I could remember this because I don't I don't deal with dynamics that much. But they they've made um, and we've talked about some of these. But over the past I would say year, they've made several um, interesting acquisitions that have netted them. Uh, and these are now shipping a dynamics integrated, uh, a new por- portal product. So basically, uh, something like Salesforce's communities, mm-hmm. um, a field field service. They've got they bought that. Mm. I'm just saying. Um, a, they bought and integrated a customer service product, which is now shipping. Mm. Um, it's a social network trying to be a CRM. What are you talking about? LinkedIn. I'm not talking about LinkedIn. Oh. I'm talking about Microsoft Dynamics. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> why, would, why, would, why would LinkedIn buy any of those? I don't, you're not even listening to me. I don't like LinkedIn, <laughs> so I don't follow them. So <laughs> when you're saying these things, I'm thinking LinkedIn no, did I'm talking all about Microsoft stuff. Dynamics. Okay. All right. Continue then. Um, they've also added, uh, they've got, Shipping, you know, big data analytics. They've also got IoT, and now they've got LinkedIn. 
And they're also... Don't forget Microsoft has Azure. And Dynamics is massively investing in uh, machine learning and uh, like predictive selling. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, this it's weird how CRM to me was this kernel. Right? Yeah. And CRM, but it was just a thing. It was just CRM. And now like every, all these CRM players, now I don't know if the CRM just naturally invite this blossoming of all these other things around it and CRM's the core of that? Or is it just that these CRM companies happen to just get in this this cold war where they're where they're just they're stockpiling and stockpiling. It's like these are nuclear weapons. You've just got to keep acquiring and keep acquiring and keep keep acquiring, so that you know. Because when you're when someone's when a company decides to go on a on a a platform, you can't even just call it CRM anymore. When they choose a when they choose a side, it's like you choose the axes or the allies. Which are you going to choose? It's definitely a when platform you pick a more side, that we're in right now. You want to feel like you pick the side that's got all the things you need. It's, right. You don't just pick a CRM anymore. You got to pick a side in this war. Yes, and that was brought on. I think I, I want to say it was brought on by by the whole cloud technology, and and because Salesforce was so prominent in that, they created this this war. They yeah. started the war, right? They started the fire. We started the fire. <laughs> we didn't start the fire. <laughs> Um, it was it wasn't always burning, but yeah. now it's burning. But no, my, I had this note. You know, will will LinkedIn users now be subject to massive spam from companies that use Dynamics? So now all these Dynamics customers are going to have access to market to LinkedIn and to like. I'm sure it's going to be a social thing. that's all integrated. Like what is it? Salesforce's Buddy and Radian and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, just integrated on Dynamics where you can just be spamming. I mean, because we're all on LinkedIn, right? Do you and I want to start getting spammed from all these Dynamics customers? I think the... I'm sure Salesforce put a bid on this, and I'm sure they lost it to Microsoft, and I think that's a good thing. They already had this. They had a direct relationship with LinkedIn. They had a pre-approved connector to LinkedIn where you could pull... Oh, but it wasn't anything like... They didn't have LinkedIn, You could, from your CRM, pull in LinkedIn information on a contact. You could do that. Public, yeah, one-on-one. Right, until they... You know, disable right. the feature. You could do that. So yeah, technically, you had access to that type of information. You could incorporate it into your marketing data. You can't compare it to the, you can't compare it to owning LinkedIn though, where you can really integrate it um, from a again the stuck the social signaling on that stuff. It's really I think it's really important to they can Microsoft now they own it can integrate it in way richer ways than than that w- little one to one. Click a link thing that Microsoft yeah. had. That, that I Salesforce think you're giving Microsoft way too much credit. I don't, I'm, it, it is a new Microsoft, and I'm a fan of the new Microsoft, but I I still think that's way too I'm much just credit. That's, to the, give that's them. The, probably the rationale, and I, I think if they do it right, that could be very interesting for Dynamics. I, I think customers. it was it was a way for them to, to acquire IP and to acquire talent. What I don't I, really think LinkedIn's going to survive what I, what this. What IP are you acquiring that you need with LinkedIn? I have no idea. I'm sure they have some kind of IP built around their system, yeah. algorithms, the, 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 the way they though? manage connections, the way they man, the way the algorithms that process, you know, potentially who you you are connected to and who who else you should be connected to. The algorithms that that detect your your level one, you know, this is your first connection to this person, or this is your third. What do we call that? Um, Degrees of separation. Degrees of separation, yeah. Your degrees of separation. I'm sure they have algorithms all around yeah. that, that that is their IP that they're acquiring. Well, yeah, regardless, I, I think there's a lot of value there. Is it worth $28 billion? I don't know. That's that's 
That's actually, again, that's only, um, what, 20-something times EBITDA? That's actually not a bad multiple. To, they, they, got a good, they, they got it for a good price. Because, again, because LinkedIn has, you know, they've, yeah. they've uh, I mean, I don't it, know. It'd be like Salesforce's value now at, you know, their selling price of 80 and their valuation at 50 and their quote-unquote premium sell price of is somewhere between 70 and 90 billion. Um, it'd be like them selling for like 50, for like, Probably thirty twenty, and also keep in mind, you know, when when Microsoft and their consultants are out selling Dynamics and competing against Oracle and Salesforce, um, a lot of people, a lot of people in the business world, have a high opinion of LinkedIn. Like that's an important thing to them. Maybe I'm right. not. I'm not. It, a, I'm not in sales, so therefore, maybe I don't like LinkedIn because I'm not in sales. And maybe if you're a salesperson, you love LinkedIn. Just, you I, see the value and how how much easier it makes your job, or the way you can connect. I, I can to tell people. you as a if you're a software engineer or developer, um, because of the how shady developer recruiters are, we most developers hate LinkedIn. I think for that reason, yeah, maybe because the recruiters do such a generally speaking do such a bad job of of recruiting and and they're just so scammy and shady. But I do think general business people and, and executives, I think they've got a completely different view of LinkedIn than we have. Yeah, maybe. I mean, so I think developers traditionally point, aren't about networking. We're about our skill set, what we have to offer. Our networking is different than, say, making connections with with people and you know just putting out feelers or or even just kind of sending out notifications and saying, "Hey, I got this going on. Who's interested?" That's not the development world. No, no our so. our networking is is very different, and yeah. maybe that's why I'm I'm really but it's skeptical not, it's of not from LinkedIn. The, it's not the networking aspect that's that's uh, the good selling point. I mean, imagine imagine you're um. You're a CMO, right? And you're part of a panel of maybe the, of uh, decision makers at your company on which which of these sides you're going to pick in this war, right? And as a CMO, you're like, oh wow, if we buy if we go with Dynamics, then we're tied in to LinkedIn and on and all that data. That's but LinkedIn has an API. There's even even though Salesforce decoupled you don't their have, native no, experience, you, you can still to it. you can still connect to it. Microsoft is not going to shut down the API and say nobody no, no, can connect no, no, to this. Not, so this is our data. LinkedIn doesn't. Okay, so LinkedIn sell the way they make money is they do they sell access like as a as a recruiter, right? You can pay to spam people basically. Yeah, on there, and and Microsoft will be happy to continue that. They'll Salesforce will say, um, okay, we want to spend. I don't know. They actually might shut some of that down and make and say no. This is for Dynamics. We sell this. Oh, Dynamics that would be now. very short sighted of them, and I don't see that happening in the new Microsoft world. If Bomber was in it, yeah, short, I could see that. Short-sighted for what? To shut down an API and control access to, to information like that? No. I say, no, I didn't say shut down an API. These recruiters aren't using APIs. No, I'm, but the APIs that exist, if they do exist, they do continue. That means that there's no loss for the community. There's no loss to Salesforce accessing that information. I don't, I don't, I don't information. think you're understanding how Salesforce, the opportunity Microsoft has to integrate, um, to integrate the social network. It's not just in... I mean, yes, the data enrichment is one thing, but integrate the social network into LinkedIn. Like, especially especially when you combine... Like, They're not going to integrate their social network into into Dynamics. Listen, when, when, when Dynamics can say, hey, there's this... Pops up a thing that says, there's this other guy you need to contact. We've done this analysis for this deal. He's over here at this company. He's an influencer over here. Right? They've got... I mean, it's... It, there's a lot of opportunities there to do some really cool things. How well they execute that, I don't know, but it's it's potentially pretty huge. And and for the longest time, that's what LinkedIn was banking their their future on was these API access to their 
degrees of separation. The ability to show, here's this person, here's their information, but also here's their potential contacts, the, the network, the access to that. That's the but value you, but, of LinkedIn. You, know, you, had to, you, know, you had to figure all that. You had to figure all that out. Like it didn't do the AI for you. I mean, it didn't, you know. Yeah, maybe I'm giving the API too much credit. Anyway. I, I see your point. I mean, given given the capabilities of the API, if 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 that's accessible to the API, then there's no win. The if if there if that isn't in the API and it's purely behind the walls, then then yeah, Dynamics wins the advantage over that because they have access to that to that IP. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. To, it, I think at a minimum, it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft ends up doing or not doing with LinkedIn. Yeah, my biggest frustration because I know you got to go is the fact that people are using this LinkedIn acquisition and the size of it as a reason for someone to buy Salesforce. It's kind of pissing me off. As a reason to buy Salesforce? Yeah, there's an article out there that says, I I think there's someone just trying to make some headlines and saying that... No, no one ever does that. (laughs) Oh, well, Microsoft made a big acquisition. Well, that means Oracle needs to make a big acquisition. Otherwise, you know, what are they doing? And the only person, the only company that that would make a big impact in the community is Salesforce. So therefore, LinkedIn equals Oracle buying Microsoft, buying Salesforce. Oh, that yeah, I, because yeah, they're the yeah. only ones with the cash to do it. Well, Microsoft also has the cash to do it, but um, they made this acquisition mostly on credit. Yeah, um, which is smart of them, I would say. You don't want to deplete your cash like that. If if you if you can if you can Where's buy some- something with other people's money. And know that your ROI on it. I actually, I think I, I think I got this point from you. Actually, <laughs> if you can get a better return on your investment, not deplete your cash, which is used in so many other factors in your company, not just your credit rating or anything else, but your your potential valuation. Why would you want to deplete that and pay and, all cash? For and something? we had that conversation going in the, in the Slack channel. Um, and I don't know enough about corporate finance at that at that scale to really understand why. But I mean, but I mean, think about personally. You can you can apply it to your personal finances and budget. You may have X amount in your bank, but you will choose to finance X amount because otherwise you lose liquidity. You lose the ability to to handle emergency situations. You're, you're not cash positive. Yeah, your credit rating is affected because you you don't have that cash positive. Um, you don't have that money to say yeah. I have this money, so therefore I can borrow this, and you're not as liquid. You're not as fluid in terms of how you buy and purchase things. Um, so from an economics perspective, I think it's a better approach, especially if, if you can get a better return on it. Yeah. All right. Well, I am so late that I'm going to have to try to meet up with my family somewhere in flight, I think, at this point. I'm not going to make it <laughs> home in time. Well, I appreciate you making the time for us, Jeremy. <clears throat> All right. It's very good of you. And to that, I say good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Brom, brom, brom. Please clap. That would be amazing.